Welcome aboard! We will be your guides during this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for us because we love the movies. It's showtime! Ready when you are, CB! Action! Welcome to Monoreal Radio, episode number 61. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. I have to say, I am sad. This is the last Halloween movie we're going to do this year. It'll be the last one until next October, and I love Halloween month. As do I, but you know what? I'm not at all sad that it's coming to a close, because vacation is right around the corner. That's true. For those of you who are keeping count, we are leaving for Walt Disney World in six days. Yes, we're not just going to be talking about the ride. We're going to be on it in six days, and I cannot wait. Spoiler alert, the ride's better than the movie. (laughs) Of course, we are talking about none other than The Haunted Mansion. I remember when this movie came out, it was around the same time that Pirates of the Caribbean came out, and I thought for certain that we were just going to get rides that were turned into movies left and right. And for the most part, I I think kind of because of this one that really didn't happen. Same. I think it was a little cash grabby, piggybacking on the success of Pirates, which, I mean, is a given because that movie was a phenomenon. Um, But I kind of feel like, yeah, they've regressed after this, and that's probably why we've had to wait so long for Jungle Cruise to come around. Yeah, which looks excellent. I am so excited for Jungle Cruise. But then again, for the most part, I was excited about this one. And then I saw it. Yeah, and it, you know, it had all the... This is probably the most review we're going to give before we give a review of a movie. Because this is universally disliked. Yeah, I feel like we're not spoiling anything here. Because I have yet to meet someone who does like this movie. Yes, but you were saying just now before I jumped in on you. Uh, no, it had all the the makings of a great movie. You know, you've got the awesome ride that it's based on. You've got ghosts and spooky things. And you've got Eddie Murphy. It's all there. You know, Eddie Murphy originally was the actor that they wanted to play Winston in Ghostbusters before right. it was Ernie Hudson. And in fact, had he been cast in the movie he would have been a bigger part of the film. Ernie Hudson is sort of like a secondary character when he joins the Ghostbusters, like midway through the movie. But Eddie Murphy, because he's Eddie Murphy, would have been really with them from the start. But I I think he took Beverly Hills Cop instead of Ghostbusters. I think. Well, I think that worked out for everyone. Yeah, we're not complaining about how Beverly Hills Cop or, or how Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters turned out, and everybody's career turned out just fine. Lucky for him, because he was already an established star when he made The Haunted Mansion, which starts with Master Gracie grieving over the death of his beloved Elizabeth, which leads to his suicide by hanging. Fast forward to the future, his mansion is now haunted. We meet Jim Evers of Evers and Evers Real Estate. Uh, He's work-obsessed, and he owns the company with his wife, and they make sure to let you know that they want you to be happy for for Evers and and Evers. Yikes. After he misses their anniversary dinner because of his obsession with work, he promises Sarah that he will take the weekend off and they will take their family to the lake. 
they receive a phone call from a mystery caller asking that they meet with him the next day to help sell the mansion, which Jim wants to do before they go to the lake. Upon entering the house, they meet the butler, Ramsley, who informs them that they are invited to stay for dinner, and we meet Edward Gracie. They learn that a storm has flooded the river, blocking the road and forcing the entire Evers family to stay at Gracie Manor, the parents and the children. Ramsley tells Jim that the master wishes to speak with him in the library, but Ramsley tells Jim that um, they must leave the house soon as he is not well. So we're getting a little bit of backstory here in terms of Edward Gracie. While alone, Jim accidentally finds a trap door, and upon entering it, it shuts behind him. In their room, Megan and Michael, their children, see a floating orb and decide to follow it. Meanwhile, Sarah, who is now alone, is directed to the library by Ramsley, but instead of Jim, she finds Gracie, who tells her the story of the mansion. The orb leads the children to the attic, where they find a portrait of, of, uh, of Elizabeth, who looks just like their mother, by the way. They overhear Ramsley tell Emma and Ezra, two other ghosts, that I think were just, they were just servants in the house, uh, but they're Housekeeper also, and butler yeah. type. Well, no, Ramsley's the butler. Right. But they're all ghosts that are trapped in the house, and they hear Ramsley tell uh, Emma and Ezra the entire plan, which is basically them trying to get out of the, out of the house and reunite um, Gracie with Elizabeth. They think Sarah, of course, is Elizabeth. While Jim is on his own, he meets Madame Leota, a gypsy in a crystal ball, who tells him that there is an evil power that will seek to destroy Jim. The kids and Jim are eventually reunited, and upon learning that Sarah is in trouble, they decide to free the spirits. We learn that, quote-unquote, the truth must be learned to break the curse. They also need to find a key, which they do inside a mausoleum. The key opens a trunk containing Elizabeth's love letter to Gracie, proclaiming her love for him and debunking the theory of her suicide. It is after that that Ramsley admits to killing Elizabeth because he says he was trying to protect Master Gracie because it would have been damaging to the family name had he married one of the servants in the house. Sarah denies that she is Elizabeth, but Gracie is steadfast in his pursuit of her regardless, and he wants to marry her. Ramsley threatens to harm the kids if Sarah refuses to go through with the ruse, so she reluctantly agrees. During the wedding ceremony, Sarah drinks a bit of poison that Ramsley has brewed up, but Jim gives Gracie the real letter from Elizabeth, and he outs Ramsley as her killer. Ramsley unleashes a rain of spirits inside the house before being dragged to hell. Yes, that is exactly what happened. Sarah collapses after the poison starts to take effect, but the orb arrives, and it turns out that the orb is Elizabeth. She, Gracie, Ezra, and Emma are freed from the curse and go to heaven. The Evers family, along with Leota and the singing busts, yes, they're in the film, leave on a road trip with the deed to the house in tow. 
That was the reward that Gracie gave the Evers family. This movie came out in the early 2000s. It looks like it came out in 1995. Before we get into this thing, I just want to go on record and say that we did not plan to say in Evers, Evers and Evers in unison ahead of time. I was kind of yeah. hoping you would touch on it, though, and you delivered. So thanks for that. This movie actually starts very promising. Um, it starts with Welcome Foolish Mortals, which, as it turns out, it, it, it's fun to see it at the beginning because it's it seems like this movie's going to be a love letter to fans of Walt Disney World and Disneyland, respectively. Really, mm-hmm. just Disney parks as a whole. Mm-hmm. But other than that, that particular phrase doesn't ever really come back around. And it's not very long until you realize, you said it before, kind of cash grabby, that that's exactly what this movie is. They, they, took, a, they took an amusement park ride, you know, a theme park ride, that we all love so much, slapped its name on the movie, and then figured the rest out. Yeah, I think that's probably my biggest criticism story-wise, is that you've got a ride that's so cool. I mean, obviously it's one of my favorites. It, you're you're hard-pressed to find somebody who it's the Haunted Mansion is not like in their top 5 favorite rides at either Disney World or Land. Yeah. So, there are so many which ways that this could have gone. There are actually 999 of them if you wanted to track a ghost that is in the house. But it was kind of a disjointed choice to go after and incorporate a whole nother family. Yeah, and with them being 999 spirited ghosts or 999 happy haunts, the fact that you really only see five of them is sort of strange. I mean, yes, you do see the rest of them later outside, but Which it's we'll sort of to, like yeah. a hodgepodge. We'll talk about that later. But the fact that there's really only five of them in the house, if you are, in fact, a lover of the ride, and it's implied that you are if you sat to watch this movie, you kind of do wonder where the rest of them are. I do like that you get the hanging body in the beginning. I like the fact that you actually, I thought, wow, all right, so now we have an origin story as to why this body is here. Yeah, I think... Starting or centering this around Gracie was smart because it technically is his house. So I think to see his backstory play out, great. But like why they didn't pair that with the wife that keeps killing her husbands? Like why was he not one of the husbands? It's beyond me. I think that writes itself. I totally agree with you. And especially because I'm totally down with them doing it as a period piece, especially because I think that works I mean, it really is as you're going through the ride, like, you know, specifically the ballroom scene, you do see all the the dated outfits. But I think like it loses me from the very beginning because you see the backstory play out the night of the party where Elizabeth dies and those opening credits are cut against these really horrible graphics. Yeah. It just becomes so disjointed out of the gate because you've got, you know like a chalice and and like playing cards and things that you would probably find most associated like in the Madame Leota sequence that are cut against 
the backstory, which is supposed to be, it's supposed to look periodical. Yeah, floating it, candelabras. Yeah, it, it just doesn't. Why you didn't do it on headstones if you wanted to do the opening credits is beyond me. Right, and and some of those visuals are things that you would have wished to have seen in the house. Right. As if the house is haunted and it's trying to scare the family. Right. But other than some doors opening up on their own, and I think some lights go out, there's not a lot that's going on here. It's more, the haunted mansion seems more haunted when you're on the actual ride, as opposed to when you watch the movie. That's the thing. They... From a fan standpoint, they give you everything you'd want to see from a ride, but they don't use it as devices to scare the characters. Right. And I mean, I can appreciate, like I said, I think Gracie definitely works as far as giving him a backstory. I love that they set this in New Orleans because that's true to Disneyland, it being in New Orleans Square. I Mm -hmm. think that's great. I even think that, okay, if we're going to incorporate new people, I think that realty is definitely the way to go. I think that was a smart choice to get them to the house. Yes. It's not like, you know, and I do love this movie, so I don't want to like hate on it too much. It was definitely heavy in rotation when I was a kid, but like Casper, the whole thing is that uh, Christine Ricci's father is an afterlife therapist, not even an exorcist, and he's getting called to the house. So I'm glad that they didn't do anything close to that because it would have been a disaster. I think they laid the proper groundwork in the first five to ten minutes of the movie. But by and large, that's really where it ends. This movie is filled with 80s and 90s tropes, but it was made in 2003. The work-obsessed father, and he neglects his family because he's obsessed with work. First off, it's dated in 2003, but what really doesn't make sense is it's their family business. It's him and Sarah. Exactly. So she can't be mad if he's work-obsessed when it's their family business. If anything, I mean, okay, you're bummed that he's late for your anniversary dinner. Okay, fine. But, like, you own the business, both of you. You can choose not to work your anniversary if you want to. You make your own hours, number one. But, number two, you should be more supportive that he is working so hard, especially because it seems like he's kind of the front runner while she is also at home with the kids. So why you wouldn't be supportive of your husband for working hard it really doesn't make sense. Right. And he goes so far as to say to her, oh, well, you don't mind it when I buy you nice things. Yeah, they do. They do kind of address it, but it's still just a weak point in the plot. Yeah. You know, he, he's in a ton of trouble because of this. You're up the creek. Fast forward to them driving to the mansion. They're in the BMW. The whole family's there. They're stopping at the mansion before they go to the lake. You're already in trouble. Why are you offering to end your trip early to go look at another house? Yeah, because already you're trying to do the right thing by doing this little weekend getaway, but you're already putting it on the back burner by going to see the mansion. And this is another weak point of the plot is that He was going to go no matter what because he is work obsessed. So you didn't have to stage the call to Sarah to get her there either. Because that was also the other thing to make sure that they went to the house is Ramsley called her and wanted her to go alone. 
Right. Because he didn't want the husband there because he's trying to bring her in in order to stage her as Elizabeth because he saw an Evers and Evers realty flyer and saw her photograph and he's trying to get out of the house and end the curse. Right. So that's how this whole thing is done. But there's no reason why they keep going back to him being work-obsessed. You've already laid the groundwork. You don't need to keep doing it. He's also the biggest whiner. My shoes, my suit. But he's, it's, it's rainwater. They're getting rained on. And he's like, well, this is my good suit. It's rainwater. It's not like you're crawling over the fence. Through the swamps. Through the swamp. You're getting rained on. You're getting rained on. Yeah, and I feel like that's just so out of character. Like, it's so weird to see Eddie Murphy play it that way when normally he'd, like, laugh it off as a joke. Right. I think at times the overacting is bad. And that's from Ramsley. That's from Eddie Murphy, too. Mm. I mean, at times Eddie Murphy really overacts. The kids, I think, really overact. And it is a shame because they were laying a proper groundwork. And while it's not an exact replica of the Haunted Mansion, I still think it was a really cool-looking set. I thought every room looked great. And they did a great job of pulling from both Florida and California to make the house. Exactly. It feels like both. Yeah. Granted, we've only seen Disneyland with the uh, Nightmare Before Christmas overlay, but I still feel like they did a great job pulling from both. The scene where Jim is sitting in the library and he accidentally activates the hidden door. I think he leaned on a statue. And it's a sliding bookcase, yeah. How many times was he going to play with that door? Oh, my God. He must have opened and closed it a dozen times. Once. Enough. Once is enough. Then you go through the door. But it just, the scene dragged on. Open, closed, open, closed, open, closed. It And it was not funny at all. No, and that's eventually how he stumbles across Madame Leota. But I almost feel like it would have been more effective if the kids found her first. Because you've got him and Sarah get in a fight. So he's kind of off on his own. He goes exploring the house. I think they do a really good job of incorporating the ride, by the way, when he goes off on his own. Because then you've got him carrying the candle. You've got the portraits changing on the wall. So that does feel like the ride as you're moving through the house. But I kind of feel like he doesn't believe in any of this yet. So I think it would have been a smarter choice to hook the kids first to realize this house is not what it is on the surface. Exactly, because you have that entire scene in the beginning where his son is afraid of the spider. Yes. He doesn't want to kill it. And Eddie Murphy is trying to get his son to kill the spider in his bedroom. Mm -hmm. And his sister comes in, Eddie Murphy's daughter. She comes in and kills it. And he said... Megan, I was trying to teach your brother a lesson here about sometimes you have to be brave and do it yourself. And she's kind of coming off as too cool for school. Mm. So it would have been great to put them, as you just pointed out, put them in the predicament, put them in some sort of peril where he's he's predisposed to being scared. She's supposed to be too cool for school. Let her get freaked out now. 
And then they go back to the parents, or at least go back to him because Sarah's off being wooed by Gracie. Plus, he's so work-obsessed, he wants to sell this house. He should be the last person to believe it because he's going to be in denial. Exactly. He's going to be writing the ad to say, you know, it's a cozy house that's peppered with a lot of character, which translates as it's haunted and peppered with a lot of ghosts, and he's going to gloss it over. Right. He should have been going in and out of the rooms just nitpicking, oh, the woodwork and the there furniture and this and this. There you go. That's and it. he's just not paying attention to his children. Because we already know he's work-obsessed. So it would have worked for the character. You're right. He should have been the last one to realize that this was happening. Going back to that scene, though, when he eventually does enter through the door, I do like the cuts. There are cuts back and forth between Jim opening doors and the kids opening doors as they explore the house separately. Right. And I think it's cut against Gracie telling Sarah the story of the mansion and the story of Elizabeth, mm-hmm. that I liked very much. Yeah, that that all works. For as much as it doesn't work for story, just logistically, it, it does cut nicely. Yeah. But, boy, boy I, I, the special effects in this movie really are bad. Starting with, well... The opening sequence, but then when you eventually get to where Jim finds Madame Leota, because now he's gone down the staircase in the hidden staircase, and it's Jennifer Tilly. Great casting. Great casting. She sounds great. She looks great. She's in the crystal ball. Looks pretty good. But then you get the scene from the ride, and this is where it comes off as a cash grab. Mm-hmm. The scene in the ride where you go around and she's talking about the spirits from last Halloween and all mm-hmm. that. And you've got trumpets and drums. The and, tambourine. And, yeah, tambourines and playing cards that are all floating. They basically forced it into this scene. And Eddie Murphy is like in a chair that's spinning around a table. And the special effects look really bad. Which is crazy because of the lengths that they went through to get that shot. They had... Eddie Murphy go in and they had it was like a plastic ball that they lit from the inside so that no matter where he was, you got the glow from the ball on his face properly and it matched up the eyelines. Okay, great. Then they sat him in a chair and they didn't spin the camera. It it was a rig. Right. He was in the rig as if he was on a ride and they just kept spinning him around and around the table. And then for Jennifer Tilly, they shot her blue screen and then superimposed that into the ball. They had all the pieces there, but it just looks so fake. And again, I feel like that's where it would have been a better choice to have the kids find her because that scene, it's a little bit more light. It's a little bit more colorful than the rest of the film. And I feel like it just would have worked better if it was the kids because they might realize that something was up, but they might have had a little fun with it. Yeah, it would have been a little bit more whimsical. Exactly. With the kids. Exactly. And we talked a few minutes ago about how a lot of a lot of this movie feels dated, in spite of the fact that at the time of this recording, the movie's sixteen years old. It feels like it's thirty years old for so many reasons. But when Eddie Murphy is talking to Madame Leota and Ezra and Emma, and his kids are there, mind you, so it's like really uncomfortable. He talks about how Gracie is going to pursue Sarah because 
they've told him the curse. The term he used is get, get jiggy. jiggy. Yeah. Could we be more 90s? How about I see dead people? How about when Michael says I see dead people? Yeah. When they go out to the cemetery. Yeah. And that's the other thing here. I I can appreciate the fact that you wanted to throw as many tributes to the ride as possible out there. And we do get the cemetery scene in the ride. We know this. Mm-hmm. And you have the hitchhiking ghosts and you have spirits everywhere. But the uh, the two gentlemen that are dueling each other with their pistols that come out of the painting. In the, in yeah, the, in the dining room scene. In the dining room scene. They're now just, in the graveyard. They're just outside in the graveyard. Yeah. And I wish I would have seen the old man and the dog. That would have no, been. No, they're in there. Are they? I miss them. Don't blink or you'll miss it, but they are in there. Really? Yep. So I didn't see them. Probably because I was so distracted wondering why the two dueling gentlemen with the pistols That's are when it, it's like right. They're like in, in the foreground and he's in the background. That's like when it is. It seems very forced and it just seems like things are thrown together and it's very sloppy because they were like, okay, we need to get all the Haunted Mansion stuff in here somewhere. So just throw it all in here and people will be happy. I think that's, I mean, it's definitely what bothers me most, but I think that's the most egregious thing about this whole movie, especially for fans of the ride, is that what people love so much about this ride is that it's literally all smoke and mirrors. And they did such an amazing job of making these ghosts look real. And it's like, why didn't you employ that here, I mean, I I realize that it's going to look different on camera and not everything is going to play as well as seeing it as you're going through the ride when it's dark because you have to light things for the camera. So it's totally different. But, you know, especially looking back through the Disney history of all of Walt's tricks that he figured out, like, why not go for all practical? Not to mention this scene Again, this is what bothers me the most. I can appreciate that you wanted to incorporate it because it's arguably the most iconic part of the ride. Maybe maybe the dining room could be the most iconic. It's it's up for debate. But the way that they shot it is pretty impressive because they did it not necessarily all one take, but it's supposed to look like it's just going through all in one shot as you would the ride because it mimics the ride as you're just passing through the scene. But the thing is, we've been on the ride. We know what it looks like to pass through. Right. What I want because I'm in the movie now is to go through and not just see this as a vignette. I want to interact with the ghosts a little bit. I want to see what their story is. I want to see why they're having a party in the middle of the graveyard. I want to know what happened to this person, why there's an arrow through his head, what role the the gatekeeper plays with the dog. And I feel like there was just so much that they could have explored because on the ride, you're getting it in like little two second pieces. Unless you get stuck on the ride, you don't really get to sit and take it in. So... I wanted to take it in. I wanted more from that. And I feel like this is also where you really could have gone for the comedy because they're supposed to be funny and you spent no time with it. What I would have loved to have seen here is the movie starts with one of these grand parties. Mm -hmm. For all intents and purposes, you can assume 
that those party guests at the beginning of the film are the same people you see in the dining room scene dancing in the Haunted Mansion ride. Sure. If they would have done something, you know, in Cinderella, the whole kingdom falls asleep because... Sleeping Beauty. Or Sleeping Beauty. What did I say? Cinderella? Yeah, yeah. Sleeping Beauty. The, um, because I'm thinking Cinderella's castle, because we're going to see it in six days. Um, That's I like where you're going with this, though. Go ahead. They put the entire kingdom to sleep, put them all under a curse. Yep. It would have made for a much better story, in my opinion, if Gracie's suicide would have put, somehow, would have put a curse on the house. Or if Ramsley had put a curse on the house. Yeah. And now everybody is trapped. So they go to have this lavish party of which they cannot escape from now. Exactly. And that they're doomed to replay it for all eternity. So they figure may as well have fun. And that's where you get kind of this jovial ghost thing that we've come to know and love about the mansion. I would even like to see, although this might that's this might be too dark, if it was like a murder-suicide thing where Gracie poisoned his guests for whatever reason and then hung himself. Right, but and now that, now they're all doomed, and it's like a, it's a cruel irony, especially too Much because like my dependency on you. <laughs> but that is also the whole thing: is that it's nine hundred ninety nine happy haunts looking for one more. So that's why Gracie keeps calling back to the house. He wants that even thousand. He wants Sarah. Right. There's the th- uh, there's the thousand exactly. And Hollywood. How see how did we figure that out sitting yeah, here come sipping on. coffee? Exactly. We're not doing anything. So, you know, if you need your next big idea, Disney, we'll take care of it for you. But the I mean, really and I'm not listen, I'm not trying to marginalize what these people do. And I know that we're sitting here slamming the movie, but you've been very upfront on this show about how you don't trash a movie for the sake of trashing it because You've been on film sets. You do this for a living, and you know how much hard work goes into it. And I'm and, and conscious decisions, right? Now we're not we're not saying that they were lazy. We're not saying they didn't no. work hard. They certainly did, but for a lack of better term, the movie kind of writes itself. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, you already have the ride, and we were able to sit here and just flesh it out in a few minutes. I mean, I've been thinking about it for for the past week of like what I would have done differently. But yeah, a lot of it, we're just kind of brainstorming now in the moment. Right. So when you when you sort of end up with a lot of the things that we're talking about right now, it really is disappointing. Like, I like the fact that we got the hitchhiking ghosts. It was fun to see them, but they were for all of the two seconds that you get them. It was a letdown because a you get them for two seconds. The screen time that they do get, they just bicker with each other. And the movie ends with them leaving with the singing busts. Why wouldn't you have left with the hitchhiking ghosts? Because they follow you home. Again, this writes itself. Or had they stayed at Gracie Manor for themselves, those are the only three ghosts that stay because they still follow you home. And now you're home forever and evers. Yes. The singing busts, you see them in the cemetery. They're pretty. They're pretty funny, but I saw enough. The scene went on for a little too long, and them jumping into song with and interrupting the conversation became too much for me. I wish they would have kept coming back to them instead of that one 
overly long sequence. Maybe if each family member, as they were going through, got a dose of the singing bus that kept interrupting. Like, that got dragged on. And then Ramsley, every time he spoke, it took forever to deliver the line. Who wants two more hours of this? Yeah. Terrence Stamp played him. It was one of his last roles. Known for uh, playing General Zod in the Superman films. Uh, we'll talk about the rest of the cast in a minute, I mean, but you want to talk about somebody that was a wasted talent. Yeah, because he did the rest well. Like, he is very foreboding. And, like, even, let's say we don't know anything about Haunted Mansion, anything about the story, you know something's off with him. So you kind of identify him as the villain right away. Everything else was very good. But I don't know if that was the actor's choice or it was the filmmaker's choice, but it I was like, oh, my God, speak. Yeah, it was badly overacted like a lot of this movie is badly overacted no and i mean part of that is me getting antsy because i'm from new york and i need you to talk and make your point quickly but yeah it, that that was kind of torturous let's talk about the uh the graveyard scene for a few more minutes here the sound effects that you hear they sound like they stole them from nicktoons or from hanna-barbera and it it sounds cheesy it sounds really bad. It's supposed to be hokey, but because they didn't do it well, yeah, it comes off as... It's supposed to be cartoony. Like, even, again, to compare it to Casper, like, when you think of Stretch, Fatso, and Stinky, they have a lot of those gimmicky sound effects, like, when they're eating and the food falls right through. But it's it's just more well done. So you do get the comedy from it, but not... Here it just falls flat. I also think that the difference between Casper and Haunted Mansion is that Casper, and this is just as I how I remember these films, I remember Casper was marketed for children. It was a child's movie. Mm. So when you see things like that, it's not that you're let down so much as it's what you expected. This movie, to me, I think especially coming off the heels of movies like Pirates of the Caribbean, mm. I don't think it came off as if it was going to be a kiddie movie, a child's movie. But a lot of what they do here is childish. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not a horror, it's not a comedy... And it's not like those rare movies that balance Well, it's supposed both. to be a comedy. It's just not funny. Right. But you get those rare movies every once in a while like Zombieland that has a perfect balance of... I mean, it's it's not very scary, but there's a good amount of gore and it's so funny. And that's kind of what I wanted from this. Not, I mean, it's it's not a gory movie, The Haunted Mansion, obviously, but I wanted more scares. I wanted more of what makes the ride creepy. Like... Last time we were in the parks, I'll never forget. We were at Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Parade and, you know, the line for the Haunted Mansion, maybe 10 minutes at best. You can pretty much just walk through, keep going on as many times as you want to. And this kid who had to be eight years old was screaming and crying bloody murder because he didn't want to go on this ride. And at eight years old, like, yeah, you still think it's going to be scary. Yeah, I remember when I went on it for the first time, I was eight years old, and I thought it was going to be, and of course it's not. Um, but they had a real opportunity here to sort of toe the line. Mm. And, yep. and they just didn't do it. Yeah, 
The mausoleum that they enter. Why? It's huge. It looks small, but it's tremendous. I mean, it, it, it's almost too big. It goes underground, but that's not my issue with it. My First of all, historically, it crumbles. Like, literally crumbles. That's why in New Orleans they have everything built above the ground. Right. Because you can't... A lot of people think that it's because you can't build on swampland, and you can't. It does make it very difficult. But the tradition is that you had entire families that were put into the mausoleums and it gets so hot there not to get too graphic but the bodies bake and they do get cremated eventually so you can have entire generations there you know throughout the years so to see this like mausoleum go all the way down into a crypt it was completely unrealistic aside from being you know too big and and being ridiculous but the biggest issue to me is that um it's not in the film like, where'd you get this from? You mean it's not on the ride? It's not on the ride. Yes, it's not on the ride. Yeah. The, the I mausoleum. mean, there's a mausoleum when you're going through the graveyard, but, like, it's not a big part of the, the the sequence. Like, there's no vignette with it. There's nothing. Right. I I don't care so much that they went into the mausoleum. I just felt that it was far too big a structure for what it looked like on the surface. Now, given... I've not explored many mausoleums in my life, but I can't imagine that they go down that deep into the ground or that once you get down there, that they are that huge. It, it, it's almost like the size of a guest house underground. Right. I mean, I guess I could go with, yeah, okay, it's been in, the house has been in the family for generations, so you've got a ton of families down there. But yeah, the scope of it, and there's all the urns in the walls too. Yeah. I mean, there's gotta be, I would say at least half of your 999 happy haunts in this mausoleum. Just in the mausoleum alone. And then I don't know that they ever come out and say it. Maybe I missed it. Is the body where they go to get the key, is that supposed to be Gracie? I don't remember. I'll be honest with you. And it, which tells me it probably wasn't. Because it opens the trunk where Elizabeth... So maybe is it supposed to be Elizabeth then? No. No. I think it's a, it's a guy, I think. I don't recall who it was. And that's a problem. Right, exactly. Because I watched the movie exactly. three times this week and I don't remember who it was. Exactly. Just goes to show how pointless that entire storyline was. Yeah. How pointless that sequence was. Or again, if we were following the bride who killed off all of her husbands, that's a mausoleum I want to see. If you have them all in one place mm -hmm. and you just keep stacking them up. Madame Leota, in my opinion, doesn't really work as comic relief. No. I would have liked her more if she was just straight sarcasm. Yes. Like, I don't have time for this. I'm over all of you ghosts. Because that's the thing. They did everything. And it wouldn't even be surprised me if they did this and then they cut it. Like, it, it's so ridiculous at times. I'm surprised they didn't, like, roll her and have her, you know, like, bowl something over. Yeah. Um, Do you want to uh, move on here? Or do you, maybe we'll talk about the cast. Or do you have anything else that you have noted in terms of the plot, script, or storyline. No, I think we've ripped it apart enough. I hate to say it, but the script is bad. 
But and I I let me preface this with I am an Eddie Murphy fan. I love 48 Hours. I love Beverly Hills Cop. But with the exception of Shrek, I really don't dig Eddie Murphy in these family films. I didn't like Nutty Professor. Didn't he do... Was he in the remake of Dr. Doolittle? I think so. One of them, yeah. I think so. I didn't dig that. I didn't dig him in this. And it's because I think that he becomes too over the top and too manic in this movie specifically. I would agree with that. I think that when Eddie Murphy plays a cartoon character in a family film, it works because I think that that's how he, that's just his acting choice when he does a family film. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't change his style between a cartoon and a live action. So when he makes a movie like this, he makes a movie like Nutty Professor, he makes a movie like Dr. Doolittle, I feel like I'm just watching a cartoon character in real life. It worked when Robin Williams did it mm. because that was sort of always Robin Williams. But I just don't buy Eddie Murphy is doing that. No, and it really doesn't jive well here because the ghosts are supposed to be the cartoons come to life. Right. Wallace Shawn is in this movie. I love him. So do I. He's completely wasted. Yes. How do you waste Wallace Shaw? And we were saying it before when you did the plot. We don't even know what he is. I mean, Ramsley's the butler, but like driver. Okay. Well, I because guess? there's always my way. Yeah. Because again, you had to jam a ride reference in. And for whatever reason, his way is the horse and buggy. Okay, again, because we see the horse and buggy outside the ride. They 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 bust. Well, it's the, the doom buggy. But they bust through the side of the house. I know. Why? Why did you bust through the side of the house? Yeah, because at no point on the ride do you do anything like that. Not to mention, when they go and they look at the house the first time, whenever's, when the family gets there and they kind of let themselves in, they start exploring on their own, mm-hmm. they find the cemetery basically right behind the house. Right. Why did you need to take this doom buggy down the road? Right. And go a great distance to go to the cemetery that's behind the house. I kind of wish he was one of the uh, gunslingers. I would have. And they gave more more backstory to that. Yeah. And then. Impossible. Impossible. I'm waiting for him to say inconceivable. Exactly. Because he delivers it the same exact way as he does in Princess Bride. Well, I think that that was the idea. Uh... But again, it's in the 90s. Let it go. That, not even, that was, that was the, 80s. the 80s, the 80s. But they're still drawing all these references to, you know, Jiggy with it. And I see dead people like, th- you know, that that was his thing back then. Why? Why are you having him repeat it now? Right. He didn't do it in Vegas vacation. When it's he was the not like dealer. Samuel L. Jackson, who's had one phrase throughout his entire career and you have to get it into every movie he's in. Yeah. Um. The the character of his wife, the housekeeper, um. Emma. Emma, yes. It was supposed to be comic relief that she's kind of very jumpy and she's almost afraid of the ghosts. But again, why? Why when you are one? Exactly. It's not like it would. Again, it would have been funny if she was in denial that they were dead. Yes. But they didn't connect those dots. No. Uh, Dina Spybay played her. Nathaniel Parker plays Master Gracie, and 
amazingly, the one character in the film that should be overacting plays it perfectly. I actually really like him. I thought he was excellent. I thought I, he was great. Like, I wanted more of that. I wish that instead of you know, taking place modern day and doing it flashbacks. I wish it was the reverse. I wish it was taking place in in the period piece so that we got more of him and then it did time jumps. Right. And if somebody's going to overact in the movie, it really should be him mm. because it would be like a fish out of water thing. Right. I think that's where, to, to touch back on the story a little bit, that might have been more effective if they really did center it around him back in the day and then did a flash forward to see how he's pulling the people back into the house, like we said, to pull Sarah in. But it more centered around what he's going to do for the rest of his eternity. Yeah. Marsha Thompson plays Sarah Evers. Um, she was fine. I mean, I didn't have a problem with her. I, I thought that she was okay. She was good, but there... She was almost too trusting, though. Like, she would have followed him anywhere in the house. And, and, and she literally did. Yeah, and I thought maybe at one point there was some sort of like hypnosis yeah, or possession going on. Um, but there wasn't that much to the character. I mean, really, she just played the trope of pissed off wife. Yeah. And for her to be, you know, her story was very central to the film. So you need to give her more than that. We need a reason to like her. We need a reason for the kids to want their mom back. And quite honestly, I don't really care enough about her to get her back at the end. Yeah. Jennifer Tilly, we talked about her before, was Madame Leota. I do like the casting, actually. Yeah. And you know what? Jennifer Tilly, if you've ever seen the Chucky movies that she's in, she can be sort of sadistical and have a mean streak. Mm. And I wish that you would have seen a little bit more of that in the film than what we got. Not her fault, because clearly she did what they wanted her to do. And I think for what she did, she did it fine. I just don't like what they did with the character. But I don't think that's her fault. Right. Although, if they did do it where she was more sarcastic, the only thing that I would have done differently is maybe considered Marissa Tomei. Yeah, I could see that. That would have been good casting, too. But I think Jennifer Tilly did a pretty good job here. Yeah. Um, the children, Mark, John Jeffries, and Ari Davis, they play Michael and Megan. They're cute kids. I like them. Yeah, they're good. They were good. Um, I found them endearing. Uh, I they, They're kind of your atypical big sister, little brother, but... Um, yeah, they argued. They threatened each other. They were authentic. <laughs> what can I tell you? Yeah, I, I wish that they were slightly more developed, though, because at the end, that's what, you know, they're the ones who have to pull it together. R really, really the girl more than anything else, because yeah. the brother is paralyzed by his fear of spiders, which also, by the way, come out of nowhere. And you want to talk about the worst graphics in the movie. That would be it. Um, but she's also kind of got to bail her dad out, too. Yeah, you're talking about the mausoleum scene. Yes. Where yeah, yeah, yeah. The come spiders out. come out at the end, and then everything that's in the mausoleum is coming out and chasing them. See, now, and... you want to talk about something that would have worked perfectly. Rather than the spiders just being there because, I guess there are spiders here because it's an old house, if Ramsley has cursed this house and he has all of these powers and he can unleash these ghosts, mm. 
why didn't he unleash the spiders but to also, deter the kid? Again, it would if the house was right. haunted, or if the house was trying to protect itself. Right. Let's say that the evil entity is trying to scare them off because it doesn't want the curse to be broken because the house itself is like a living entity. Right. If the house would have sent the spiders, made them appear. Again, I think it would have been better than things happening for the sake of happenstance. Right. Also to that point, though, why zombies and not more ghosts? There's no zombies on the ride. No, you do get a couple that sort of pop oh, up the in the coffin. Yeah. yeah. But and I guess that we talked about the uh, the key that they had to go retrieve. I guess that was the coffin. Right. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I will say this, though, because we didn't uh, we didn't hit on it before when we were talking about the mausoleum scene. And I thought this was actually pretty cool. They used uh, Rick Baker's um, special effects to do it. And he's a really talented, uh, you know, he's known for his his horror special effects. Um, but those were all practical. And, and the zombies awesome. were amazing. Yeah, they just use really, really skinny actors and... Um, Instead of, you know, CGIing the zombies, they just um, did it almost like a like a, a skeleton Halloween costume where the bones are painted on. So, you know, you get that black background that kind of disappears and it looks like the bones are protruding and then they just put some really baggy clothes on and it's all practical and it works. Yeah. I Why think- you didn't employ that with the ghosts? Why the zombies are your best practical effects? Again, beyond me. I, I mentioned before, I think the sets look great. I think the costumes and the makeup look good, too, for all the characters. Across the board, both past and present day. Yeah. Totally, totally. Except for the wedding dress. The wedding dress is weird to me, though. It doesn't look of the period, because that was supposed to be Elizabeth's. It doesn't look of that period, but it doesn't look... It looks 80s, honestly. Right, it doesn't look like what came off the ride, but it doesn't look like a period thing either. It just sort of looks like its own thing. I thought the music was pretty good, the way they scored it. I think it, it helped kind of bring the mood up a little bit. Even even the uh the bus singing was pretty good. Although yeah. it went on too long, you know, it was it was clever. And I like the fact that they use the Dapper Dans as the singing busts. Like, sure. You know, they kind of Again, it's it's a it's a tribute to the parks, but to give those guys a little bit of not that they have screen time per se, but to give them a little tip of the cap and hey, you know, you should be a part of this too. And who better to be the singing bus than the Dapper Dan's? Of course. But in all, I think that the storyline seems simple, but it's somehow convoluted. And I think that's because they tried to jam too much stuff in there. It seems like they rushed to get to the end of the movie. The ending of the movie is weak to begin with, and they wasted an opportunity. And I just think that, in general, the movie is just not funny. I don't want to say it's overly childish. I'm not going to say it's annoying, but I just don't think that it's funny. And I think they tried to force the funny. And when the funny didn't work, they tried to force it more, and it was worse off than if they would have just left it alone. I agree. Um, I think that if you compare it to its predecessor, as far as a ride turned into a movie goes, what makes Pirates so amazing, it really was Johnny Depp because I, I think the character that he created is amazing and 
we'll eventually get to pirates on the show, obviously. But, um, you know, part of what made that movie so successful is that you took scenes and pieces of the ride that we know and you created this huge adventure story around it and it all worked. Here, I would have been okay sacrificing some of the scenes that I love in Haunted Mansion for a better story as opposed to what they did by trying to jam everything in. And I mean, it, it you know, it's a gift because it's not like pirates where it's all these different scenes take in all these different places. This is one house. It's centrally located. There's no reason you shouldn't have replicated the ride exactly. But I would have gladly sacrificed that for a more solid airtight story. Um, so, in conclusion for me, to be concise about it, is this the Haunted Mansion film that we wanted? No, but it's the one we got. And I dare say, I would have actually liked to see Burton take a crack at this one. His take on it would have been interesting. Because you'd get the creepy horror, but the whimsy, and that is his wheelhouse. So if you're going to do it again, Disney... Please consult with us. I think we've got a lot of good ideas. Or <laughs> or I wouldn't mind seeing Ivan Reitman take a crack at it Ooh. because of what he did with Ghostbusters. Yeah. I'll, I'll buy oh, into either one of those. Actually, you know who I think would be a really interesting director for this? Kevin Smith. I'd love to see what Kevin Smith could do because he's a big Disney fan. I mean, we've seen him do horror, but obviously it's, it's a different kind of horror. You're not going to get that in a Disney film. But I'd love to see him take a crack at it. Oh, walrus, yes. But he's been hinting, and we didn't get anything at D23. We're still waiting on this Kevin Smith announcement. I feel like he's going to somehow be involved in a Marvel or Star Wars endeavor. Uh, but Disney I Plus. think that's the obvious choice. And if he went with something like this, oh my gosh, he would knock it out of the park. Well, they that's are a great su suggestion. Supposedly, they are working on doing another Haunted Mansion movie and doing a reboot or a remake, which we so desperately need. See, that's called for. To reboot Pirates at this stage of the game is ridiculous. To to right the wrong of this one, fantastic. I'm all for it. Yeah, we're interested to know your point of view. Do you love this movie? Do you hate this movie? Do you not care about this movie? Are you even going to see it at this point? Because some of you have probably never seen it. Maybe we scared you away. You can let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio. News this week talking about movies that some of us love and some of us not so much. Supposedly, and I say supposedly because this has been going on for a long time. Yeah. Supposedly... Hocus Pocus 2 is in development for Disney+. Plus. Now, there was a lot of controversy around this because you have the three original actresses, Sarah Jessica Parker, Kathy Najimy, and Bette Midler, who have all said that they would come back to do a sequel. Right. And they want to do a sequel. And then it came out that, well, we might not do a sequel. We do a remake. And Bette Midler slammed the idea. Now it's been confirmed, quote-unquote confirmed, that it's going to be a sequel. For me, it's like, I'll believe it when I see it. Because this has been going on for so long, just show it to me. Well, that's the thing. Disney has not announced it yet, but all the major outlets, I mean, it's in variety for crying out loud. So this is going to happen. We think. We'll see. 
We also got some more news. And this was a very Disney Plus sort of week. Yeah, it was very Disney Plus centric. Uh, we got confirmation that the entire cast for Lizzie McGuire has returned. We know that she's going to be a big focal point of Disney Plus. And uh, we got a Mandalorian trailer drop, which looks amazing. And we see Bill Burr as a bounty hunter in the, mo- in, in the show. I don't know about you. But I'm a little excited for The Mandalorian. It looks like a Star Wars trailer. So it looks good. All the elements are there. There's fighting. There's the force. Great. Fantastic. Sign me up. But what I, I will say this, though. Kidding aside. Um, what I am excited for is that I think instead of jamming so much Star Wars down everyone's throat, I think we're done with the films now. And if this is what they're going to do with the property now that they own it, I'm all for it. Because what makes Star Wars so great, and you know, I'm I'm not someone who grew up on it. I'm not like a Star Wars purist or anything. But what makes it so great is that there is such a rich tapestry of characters to choose from. So you can explore so many different series and do a lot of one, like the Boba Fett movie that they keep talking about. Maybe we don't do the movie, but maybe we do a six-parter. Well, you're not going to get it now because you have The Mandalorian. Right. But that's a perfect example. Right. Of, I didn't need a Bubba Fett movie. And I always said, you don't really need one. The Mandalorian? That's perfect. I could watch a Boba Fett TV show. I could watch a Bounty Hunter TV show. I don't need the film. But that's what I'm saying. We don't need all of these sagas anymore right you could just do a one-off instead of doing like a two and a half hour movie you could do a one-off series so you get to delve into these characters and then back out and that's it and they're doing it with obi-wan kenobi exactly we got, we exactly know we have you uh, and mcgregor is back for it yeah so i'm i'm good with that rather than trying to draw from stories that aren't there just focus it around the characters we are which two, already are two weeks away from launch of disney plus I'm not going to take time away from the park to watch Disney Plus, but suffice to say, I'm excited for it. And we're not going to be very productive when we get home from this trip. No. Because we're going to be spot welded to the couch with the dog. We're going to have to teach him to use the toilet (laughs) so that we can just binge on everything that's on Disney Plus. Yeah. I mean, when we go to the parks, we always go November it's our anniversary, it's Food and Wine Festival, it's the holiday changeover from Halloween into Christmas. There's really no better time to go. And if you want to, get in touch with me, j.zolezzi at magicalvacationplanner.com. Um, but as far as the Disney Plus release, if we didn't already have this trip set in stone, I think we probably would have moved it because we're going to miss... So, And I'd rather, I'd rather be in the parks than doing anything else. But I feel like... Everybody is going to be talking about something on Disney Plus, and we're going to be clueless for like a week catching up with all of it. Yeah, but I'm sort of okay with that. Yeah, because we can sort of person. like hole up. I'll close the blinds. I'm locking the doors. We're going to turn off the lights. Very merry that day. So really, you guys can have your couch. You can Disney Plus and chill, and we're going to be enjoying cookies and hot chocolate and Jack Skellington in the parks. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you guys so much for joining us this week. Jackie had just said to you that if you want to come down and visit us, of course, she's with Magical Vacation Planner, and she went and gave you the email address right there. 
You can join her. You can join us on that trip. The monorail pub crawl, monorail with monorail. That's going to be on Sunday, November the tenth. So make sure that you keep your eye on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Monorail Radio for more information on that. And uh, we are very excited. We have a giveaway for the pub crawl. We're not going to tell you what it is, but we do have a prize. One person is going to win a prize if you join us on the pub crawl. So again, keep an eye on the social media. If you want to join us, you just got Jackie's email address. Join us or or don't. Just go to Disney whenever you want. Go see Galaxy's Edge. But again, uh, we are so excited to be going down there. We can't wait to meet some of you. Um, and please let us know how excited you are about the launch of Disney Plus in just a couple of weeks. And please uh, let us know on the social media if you're going to be joining us. Because I'd love to know. I mean, I'm just as happy with a surprise. But if you're going to join us monorail with monorail, please tell us. I want to get a little bit of a head count going. Yeah, totally. Oh, man. But, yeah, thank you guys so much. And don't forget, of course, as well, to keep an eye on that social media because we're going to be doing tons of updates in the park, especially because it's our first trip to Galaxy's Edge, and I'm going to do Savi's, and I can't wait. <laughs> I'm like, uh, it's, you got to understand something. I saw Star Wars for the first time when I was, like, seven years old. So this has been me for 26 years. I've been waiting to, like, be in Star Wars. Now I'm going to be in Star Wars. I'm very excited. I have to go calm down. For Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. On behalf of Monoreal Radio, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of.